Hey there, fortune seekers. So you've designed a game. Good for you. Have you made sure the game is balanced? You know, made it equally fun for everybody at the table? Can one of your gifted friends count the cards and decide their strategy based on that? Are players rewarded for dirtling? Why don't we get into the weeds on that? Because designing a game is only the beginning. Game balance is the true mountain to climb. So let's talk. This and so much more on today's episode of the Mega Moth Studios Super Secret Podcast. Shh, don't tell anybody about it. You got that? Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, desiring super strength to get away with being hella rank, Joel Watts, joined as always by my friend. Danny, really enjoying some Danish cookies. (laughs) And on last week's episode, we discussed the possible fall of Magic the Gathering and those games looking to step in and pick up the shedding player base. If you want to hear more about that or the dozens of other topics that we've delved into, then be sure to follow us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. And while you're there, why don't you rate and review us? Five stars only. But today we're going to delve into what we have learned about the process of balancing our game, X Seekers of Fortune, and how you can approach balancing your games. But before we get into that, Danny, are you ready mm-hmm. for the question of the week? Nope. I would never are. Yep. Nope. Well, too bad. Okay. I'm now the dictator of this podcast. And we always will happen. do the question of the week. Emphasis on the dick. <laughs> yes. I just note that your cookie eating was marked down in your permanent record. Uh, I bet. Apologies right. to everyone who had to eat me <laughs> chewing cookies in their ears. All right, Danny. Well, this is- yeah, uh, subordination is required because spooky insubordination? season is upon- oh, subordination. Should, yeah, okay. spooky. Is, is subordination the opposite of insubordination? I assume so, unless there's pro-insubordination know. or something like that. I don't know. I mean, this is something that we probably should Google, but we won't. Because <laughs> we're, we're trying to have faster podcasts, right? We're trying to get tighter podcast times. Yeah, and we're doing a bang-up job of it so far this week. <laughs> So with spooky season upon us, what has been your favorite Halloween costume in the past? Like what's, what was a banger that you just really pulled together for Halloween? Look, I don't think that I don't, I don't, my mind is a little fuzzy. I will say when I was a kid, I had a really sweet uh, Ninja Trolls costume that like a neighbor made for us mm-hmm. and it was really cool, but I want to talk about something else. So when I was a kid, I really loved hobos like the idea of being a hobo i thought like being a hobo was like a really cool thing yeah and one year i decided i wanted to be a hobo for halloween and i remember showing up to this lady's door and i knocked on the door and she was like and what are you supposed to be mm-hmm. and i was like i'm a hobo and she's like you're a jerk <laughs> I'm like, what, what? <laughs> and then she closed the door and didn't give me candy <laughs> what <laughs> what <laughs> I mean, maybe I understand post like 2010 that maybe being a unacceptable costume, but you're talking like the 1980s or early 90s being a, a hobo, you know, that was still acceptable back then. What was this? You have nothing else. 
This is no, this is awesome. I don't. I to this day, I don't really understand. Maybe she had like some weird encounter. Maybe her dad was like a hobo riding the rails and like, you know, was never home. And she was just like, you know, it brought up some bad memories. And she saw a also, child and saw her father. I don't know. Yeah. Also, I mean, if you if you nailed the costume, she shouldn't have had to ask you what you are. <laughs> That's a pretty standard. Yeah, you had the bushel, like you know, the 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 bushel with with the stick. I, I mean, I assume so. I mean, look, I, I don't really remember too much beyond my early 20s. So, <laughs> I think that's where you and I differ. I think my memory is like almost more crystal clear than most, you know, people, at least like for my childhood. It's like only the past few years that have become a blur to me. Um, that is very interesting. And I please put your personal feelings and personal politics aside. If the child is young, just roll with it. <laughs> Don't be slamming doors in kids' faces. Well, is there a costume that you would slam a door in a kid's face for? I There's costumes that I would give the parents a solid four. Mm, but you wouldn't it, deprive it, the child of candy. I, probably not. I will just say for the for the listener, I, just, I made the uh, Forrest Whitaker eye at the camera. Um, mm -hmm. You know, kind of the people's eyebrow. <laughs> Uh, you know, a, a cocked glance, I guess you would say at the parents, but no, I think kids for the most part, kids don't know better until certain ages and certain education points. So I don't think they should necessarily be punished. Um, but it definitely, you know, I can think of a few, but I, I would say that it would almost be parody for those people, for those costumes to, uh, see my front door. But I have to be honest, I've, I've been a, an apartment dweller for a long time. I don't get trick or treaters. I can't remember the last time I got trick-or-treaters. Um, so I haven't seen that many costumes. I'm not sure what the kids are wearing these days. Do they do? Do they get Fortnite costumes or Fortnite dances? Probably. Yeah. Oh, hey, you can bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Your, your uh, child. Yeah, my, 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 my son, <laughs> he, yeah. he, he did some Fortnite uh, costuming the, the other year. Also, mm -hmm. those Danish cookies were definitely expired, so they're very <laughs> stale. Really regretting eating one of those. Well... I will say your commitment to the bit is definitely going on your permanent record. So that might balance things out. This will ah, be I get remember. a little more subordination. Yes. Sir. All right. What okay. is your, what is your spooky costume of choice? Well, I'm not much of a spooky. I, I have to admit this. I, I am going to go with something spooky this year. In fact, we might, you might be seeing it in the next few weeks, but in general, in years past, I'm more of a, I'm trying to do the clever costume thing. Um, so I will say when it comes to my favorite adult costume that I've had, I uh, one year cut a t-shirt like just at my navel or like above my above my uh, stomach, I guess, like a high rib cage. It basically looks like a um, what is the high term? Cage. A midriff, a midriff t-shirt. It was even worse than a midriff. I mean, trust me, if I was a lady, I would have been giving people a show. That was the whole costume that well. And then I very and this is lazy. This is like last minute lazy. <laughs> I wrote on the shirt. It was a white t-shirt. So I took a black felt tip pinned to it and put like a little loading bar and like it said shirt loading oh that that lady would have definitely called you a jerk <laughs> <laughs> rightfully so but i think i was just looking for excuse to show off my goods you know i i'm quite i'm like nearly a it's not voyeur voyeur watches i'm an exhibitionist i'm nearly an exhibitionist <laughs> um but <laughs> I will say What's the when opposite he, of a peeping Tom, a showing Tom. <laughs> yeah, I will. I, hey, I, I had to, uh, my partner or, you know, uh, we had to put up a, what is it? A window 
a window like blocker because she is just so paranoid about people looking in through the windows. And I'm personally like, I have no qualm. I'll walk across my living room with an open window and be completely in, in the nude. I'm not going outside, like, you know, down the supermarket like that. But I, if, I, if I'm in my house, if somebody's looking in, that's on them. That's an interesting theory. <laughs> yeah. They want, a, <laughs> they want a little show. They can come and get it. All right. Well, I think in the interest of time and people's sanity, we should move off this topic. That's fair. That's fair. Ever dreamed of embarking on legendary quests, unlocking hidden secrets, and discovering untold riches? Dive into the world of X, Seekers of Fortune. It's the game that's soon to be taking the internet by storm. Sign up today at xseekersoffortune.com and start your journey to greatness. Remember, fortune favors the bold. See you there. Uh, but that we should move on to the topic of discussion for the week, which we're discussing this week, game balance and balancing your game. Um, I have to say in general, this is kind of where the real getting in the weeds of making a good game comes in because you, you would say, I think we would agree that the early process of designing the game went very fast. We made big decisions and jumped like miles at a time mile getting miles ahead of us ourselves at a time but once we got like all those big decisions made in the design more or less for, sorted out then you're actually able to start seeing how do the mechanics relate to each other what is like the currency exchange you know in our game we're a resource management game so what do all like this resource like leads what does that equate to for adventures and what did that, does that equate to for Action X cards? How do they relate to each other? And so there was a big, you know, many months worth of discovery that I will say we are still in some ways going through. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, have us talk through our experience with the whole um, uh, balancing, you know, design and some of the lessons we've learned from it and hopefully pass along some details that you can use in your game design. That sounds like a balanced approach. Yeah. So uh, the way I the way I did this one is I found a couple of wise people so wise that some of these folks are unknown uh, and found some things they had to say about game balance. And I thought we could just, re, you know, kind of bounce off of those and react to them. Didn't the we agree that any unknown quotes would just be attributed to you? Well, I mean, I think that that's uh, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um no, I com I completely blanked there. I thought I was going to have something in the tank, but no, I did not. Um, you don't normally come up empty, but every yeah, now I know. And then it bounces <laughs> yeah. out. I, there's, it's, I think my roommate's cooking something, and the smells like kind of, you know, making my circuitry go off because I didn't realize good or how bad. hungry. No, in a good way. In, in a good way, in the sense of like, I am now hungry for food. It's not like first week in the me. apartment, and you're already like dissing your roommate on the it's podcast. That would be a terrible story. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Like, totally you should check it. out my podcast. <laughs> if it, this is on me because I didn't eat before we started because I yeah. I get in the no, middle yeah. of work and then I forget to eat. And then all of a sudden we start recording the podcast and I realize how hungry I am. But, well, to get back to the, the starting quote, uh, to get us started on this, I love this one. In game design, balance is the art of making sure every choice is meaningful and no single option dominates the rest. And... This has been probably one of the biggest sticking points in development for us, like where we really feel like we hit a, uh, we find a thorn in our 
our like <laughs> our perfectly sanded box and then we find a splinter this these are our splinters because we've had at least two examples of this um that um have well, I gone to sorry <laughs> we've had at least two examples of this that have gone on to uh require us to make major overhauls to the game do you remember those danny yeah um i mean a lot of the times it's had to do with dig within and breakthrough mm -hmm. um and i mean to a lesser extent infiltrate um but ultimately, you know, just tying this back into the quote real fast. I mean, I yeah. think that one of the things that we're really trying to do is make sure that it isn't obvious to the players that there's just one strategy you should do all the time. Because if you have a lot of things your players can do, but there's only one thing that would ever really make sense strategically to do, your game is out of balance. And, you know, I think that's what Soren's saying in the quote is, you know, you want to make sure that no single option dominates the rest. You want to make sure that there's a variety of actions that might make sense. There are different paths that might reach the ultimate goal of winning the game, um, achieving whatever objective they're trying to achieve. But if if it's obvious that this is what you should do, at that point, you're not playing a game. You're, you're more or less on rails, right? Yeah, yeah. And that which was an early complaint or the earliest note that we received about our game was, you know, it feels like it's on rails. It feels like I'm not making decisions. I'm just doing whatever is delivered upon me based on random draws. A hundred percent. If you feel like you draw the cards and the cards tell you how to play the game and all you're doing is using your hands to facilitate the movement of the cards and or pieces, if that's what your game uh, includes, then your players are not going to feel like they have any agency. And it's hard to feel like you're having fun if you don't feel like it really matters that you were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. If, if you just, I mean, there are some games, and this is something to very much consider in your game making pro, uh, process is certain games actually do, you know, um, thrive with random factors with luck factors like that's actually the fun that's like the fun button that you press and seeing like all the fireworks go off if you will uh in different ways our game isn't like that our game is very strategic you need to have like you need to be making decisions that you feel impact the overall game state and you know when we got that feedback that no you know we don't have enough options we don't have enough you know uh ways of playing the game in that first play test that we did a, oh, pretty much a year ago at this point, would you say like we're coming up on a year of that play test? Yeah, I mean, it would have been within four weeks of today, I would guess four to six weeks of today. We are talking about uh, the very first play test of X Seekers of Fortune. Yeah, back when it was called Lost Arts. And yeah, that was that that was a big OK, this is the problem to solve because we know we don't want people to say that they're just you know, on rails, you know, we're not that kind of game. Yep. Tying this back to the question that you asked at the top of the, of, of the discussion about, you know, instances where we've experienced that there were times where we felt like because of breakthrough, because of dig within, it was absolutely correct to just fall behind, to lose. We've talked about this a lot on the show, so I don't think we need mm -hmm. to go into the details of it, mm -hmm. but that's an indication that you have a balancing problem. And, we can talk a little bit about how we remedied those things, but ultimately we need to de-incentivize, and we've talked about incentives before, certain strategies enough such that you're weighing your options 
and it isn't clear exactly what is going to be most beneficial. You are having to make your own decisions, draw your own conclusions, and implement your own strategy. It doesn't feel like the game is suggesting there's one very, very good way to proceed, and the rest are not viable. Yeah, exactly. Um, th that I mean, and that's why... I would say design is often about getting your reps in because these are strategies that were always available, uh, are pretty, you know, pretty much always available to you from when the game was first like baked up. It's just, it took us months of playing the game and trying different things. And for, you know, especially you as like, think a spikier player to, to look for, you know, think through the game and find the best way to win consistently for us to discover that we had this, what we called winning from behind problem. And, um, you know, that's why when you hear stories about games, I mean, we're uh, coming up on our first year of X Secrets of Fortune being a game in some form or another. And this is a prime example of why it takes a lot of playtesting and a lot of eyes on something, you know? So I would say balancing is often about going down every conceivable avenue and seeing how far they can take you and seeing how much they stretch and morph the game. Yep, 100%. I think that ultimately, every time you're doing a play test, you need to be paying attention to the decisions you're making and why you're making them. You need to be looking at the outcomes of those games and saying, was this very, very similar to a previous game? How much variability is there in gameplay? Uh, all of those things are going to factor into replayability because ultimately people are not going to stick around in an unbalanced environment very long. It becomes very, very clear how how the game is broken in an unbalanced environment. And people, it's like water finds its level, right? People will find where the game is broken uh, eventually if they have a mindset to do so. And that mindset is simply, you know, truly being competitive and truly wanting to win. Yeah, exactly. And the it will... I will say in a competitive game, you will eventually find the best way to win if it, and if it's the best way to win always, that's when it's a problem, especially with what we had, because it would have, if two players, I don't know how, uh, if how much experimenting we went with this, we did with this, but if two players both know the strategy that's optimal, you would be looking at just a very long drawn out dirtling game because both players would be trying to be in the losing position the entire game, basically fighting for last place. And I can't imagine how boring that would have been to watch if we were ever to, you know, try to stream our game and have two players play in that style. At the same time, it's very careful. And this is again, where the balancing act comes in. Mm -hmm. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, we really felt like it was important for our game to have a mechanic that allowed people to catch up from behind. And it could have been very easy to have a gut reaction and say, okay, if you give people this tool, it is a degenerate strategy. They only do this. We made the mistake. Let's get rid of it all and just have the game function without a catch-up mechanic. Mm -hmm. But instead, we said, okay, let's tune the dial. Let's turn the temperature down on this a little bit. Let's turn the temperature up, nerfing and buffing, right? Everything is turning dials. Don't overcorrect. Don't, you know, just make small corrections until you get the desired result. If you try to change too much, if you uh, try to change uh, too drastically, you're not really going to learn exactly what the sweet spot is. And you want to find the sweet spot because that's where your players are going to find the most interesting decisions. 
Yeah, I compl- I mean, yes. And that might actually bring us to our second quote that I think goes really well with your dials. And we often talk about the dials, but I think uh, you as a, a fine cook that you are might appreciate this <laughs> one. Balancing a game is like crafting a recipe. Too much of one ingredient can ruin the dish. This is from Unknown. And I should say for the record, I think I forgot to credit the the one quote that I have that's actually from somebody was the first quote I read. And it's from Soren Johnson, who is a... Who's Soren Johnson? He was a uh, game designer for Civilization. Oh. Big. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, I learned about I that I love today. Civilization. Yeah, it's a great... It's a, it's a wonderful series. And I think a lot of people are inspired to try to make... Civilization, to me, is like a board game on your computer. And I think a lot of people try to reverse engineer it to try to make a version of Civilization that is just a board game. And so I think it's a wonderful thing, like kind of going through the looking glass like that. But yeah, so this idea that, you know, balancing is like a recipe and you don't want too much of one ingredient because it can outweigh the dish. When I hear that, uh, the thing I thought first and foremost about was the, the two primary ingredients for a lot of games, which is the balance between luck and skill. Yep, that is a huge dichotomy that needs to be well balanced during the course of your game. And this is actually really interesting because we actually had another game designer come to us asking us about this today. Mm -hmm. Um, They reached out to us and said, hey, I have a question about my game. Can you walk me through, um, you know, your thoughts? And the, the question basically boiled down to, I don't know how much luck versus how much skill I want to have in the game. Do I lean into being pure strategy or should I include luck? I'm having a difficult time figuring this problem out. And what the conversation ended up becoming was a thought experiment where we said, okay, let's like forget about all the mechanics. Let's forget everything about your game. Mm-hmm. Think about how you want your players to respond. At the end of the game, if a player came up to you and said, that game ended because of luck and no other reason, um, and I don't like that, would you feel like you needed to change the game to accommodate them? Or would you feel like you needed to say, hey, I'm sorry, but this game involves some amount of luck. It may not be for you if this amount of luck is not, you know, right for you. And he said, I would be kind, I would be fine telling them this is not your game if there's a certain amount of luck. And it's like, okay, so we've identified that, you know, you want luck in the system in some amount. Would it be okay if one in a hundred games, could you tolerate one in a hundred games coming down to the game being decided by luck? Actually, you know, where we started was with a coin flip. You flip a coin, one in two games, would you be okay with it ending in luck? No. One in six? Mm-hmm. No. Let's go to the other extreme. One in a hundred? I'm okay with that. One in 50? I could be with okay with that. One in 20? Eh. Okay. What about mm-hmm. one in 25? That sounds about right. That's 4%. Uh, that sounds low. What about 10%? Okay, 10%. So what he figured out was, he actually was okay one in 10 games being uh, decided by something that could be described as lucky. And uh-huh. then that established for him a guiding metric so that when he went back and looked at his game and started deciding how to start turning those dials on luck and skill, he knew if games started ending with luck due to randomness more than 10% of the time that he was off base from his vision and needed to recalibrate. Yeah. And we talked about that very early in the uh we talked about that very early in the design process for X Seekers of Fortune when we started thinking, like, where do we want this to feel? And we actually had the conversation, I think, that 
uh, something like 70% of games should feel like they were skill wins and maybe 30% should feel like they were luck wins that squeaked out. But I also have the philosophy, especially in a card game, luck is something that happens to you along the way. And, and depending on how you react to your luck is sort of like determines how much you, how much you mitigate your luck with skill is what determines if you're how solid of a player you are. Like you, you can get dealt. And I felt like I've gone through this in X secrets of fortune, getting dealt what you considered the worst hand, like, um, not the adventures you want, uh, not the, uh, you know, action X cards that, you know, really have a big impact on the game state as it is. Um, it happens. And I still feel like I have like at least one or two example games in my mind where it wasn't going my way, but I still, you know, pulled it out. Now, that said, we also had an example last night, I think, uh, at uh, Tuesday Night X, which, reminder, if you uh, haven't tried it out, why don't you come by Tuesday Night X on our Discord server? We all get together from 8 to 10 p.m. on Central Standard Time on Tuesdays to play the game and just talk about, you know, games in general. We have a lot of talk about other, uh, um, you know, like board games, tabletop games, video games, and sometimes just life stuff. So come and hang out by the campfire. We would love nice. to have you hang out with us. I mean, we are very, very enthusiastic about having new folks out there. So yeah. don't don't hesitate. For sure. But we had a pretty luck-centric uh, game situation at this last Tuesday Night X. Would you want to walk us through that and explain why sure. we liked the situation? So the, the situation was that there was a, a, a relatively tight game that kind of came down to the final quest, as typically it does. One person was in the final quest, the other one was not. Anyone who pays attention to the game um, or has played the game quite a bit knows that there is a card called Temporal Backdoor. And what Temporal Backdoor says is that you can complete an adventure without paying its cost. And for those following along at home, completing adventures are the way you complete a victory point in our game and if you get five victory points you win the game mm -hmm. so this was the fifth and final adventure and the player in question had temporal backdoor which said that they could complete it uh, without paying its cost which effectively would mean that they had completed their fifth adventure and would win the game except for temporal backdoor also has a writer that says if you would win the game this way you win the game at the beginning of your next turn instead effectively giving your opponent one turn to uh to respond come back mm -hmm. and win from beneath the temporal back door so upon the playing of this card their opponent who's a relatively new player to the game said okay well that's it i i need to complete two adventures next turn i'm not going to win and we're like no, no no you should play it out you could win still They're like there's there's it's not going to happen like i have to do two adventures Eventually, we convinced them to take their turn because they just wanted to just concede. Yeah. And they, were, they took their they turn. They were kind of in table flipping mode almost. Like they were on the verge. Uh, Maybe I don't not. Know. That they might were be a bit. to flip a table. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's but no I table. think they were just kind of like, guys, guys, this is, this is pointless. You're really going to make yeah. me. And mm -hmm. so they played it out and they had a couple they they had a couple of uh, maneuvers they had to use dig within to to go a little deeper they eventually found the leads they needed to complete their last adventure which was a 3 to get into the final quest and then they got into the final quest they flipped up an adventure and they drew exactly the leads they needed to complete yeah. that adventure and they a won a 3 cost adventure with three different leads on it and they drew exactly those leads and so they they drew those open to the table for everybody to see one at a time if i remember correctly and I just glanced over because uh, I was like, you know, engaging with the chat and things like that. And I glanced over. I'm like, he just top decked the win. 
you yeah, know, in the it's final statistically term. improbable. And he, yeah. he did it, but he was the type of person, uh, who really wants to execute a strategy, play a strategic game and wants to win on his own merit. And I think he felt like that was like a little, like he didn't feel like he won. He feel like the game ended in his favor and he had nothing to do with it. And that's a completely valid way to feel in that situation. Yeah, um, there's skill involved in playing to your outs and mm -hmm. setting yourself up to experience luck. And maybe a player who's less experienced might not dig within, or there's a lot of different ways that skill can factor into getting to that point so that you have an opportunity to win. But at the end of the yeah. day, that feels like a lot of luck. It does. And but also if that player, mm -hmm. they had three adventures complete and that meant they had a chance to win in that game. If they only had two adventures complete, that would have probably been a bridge too far. Like if they had to complete three adventures in one turn. So just the fact that they didn't let their it's rival. It's not impossible though. Not impossible. It's happened before. <laughs> We've seen it. You, but we have. Uh, uh, but the fact that they didn't let their rival get too far ahead of them—that's like one thing. Like you can dirtle, and you know, being behind has its advantages. But if your opponent or your rival gets too far ahead of you, uh, at least in the game as it is now, you're going to have a hell of a time catching up, and that you're—they're going to just run away with the game if you don't advance your own game state. And that's what we like about the game is that it's a race. Uh, it's, you know, it's a race to get to a certain number. And yeah, I think that that was a great example of like, you, you know, the odds can be in your favor. And as long as you've set yourself up, there's always a chance. And that temporal backdoor, uh, stipulation about winning on the next turn that wasn't on the card originally back way back in the day. Um, and I think it's turned into some of the most dramatic and fun game experiences because very much like. Uh, Magic the Gathering has had for a long time those here's the board state win this turn like it's like a puzzle and this card basically turns your game that you're playing right in front of you into that puzzle because it challenges you you have to win now if you pass your turn you lose so it kind of has that baked in scry magazine you know puzzle of the week which in and of itself was a balancing exercise because you recognized when we had the card just say complete an adventure without paying its cost, that it was a very unsatisfying experience for both the person who won and the person who lost because effectively they l got lucky. They drew temporal backdoor and the game just ends on the spot. No one's playing anymore. The game is mm -hmm. over. It's just basically a card that if played in the final quest says I win. Yeah. And that's not a lot of fun. You're like, we need to add a layer to this. This can't be, I win. It needs to be more complicated than that. There needs to be some risk. And so now with the writer that says you win at the beginning of your next turn, we give your opponent an opportunity to win. And it also makes it to where you have to think through your strategy. Are you going to play temporal backdoor right now and not have any defenses up so that when they make their, their go at it, you can't interact with them? That's mm -hmm. the thing, you know, like there's a lot of, of, of next leveling that goes into it in preparation. And sometimes you miss it when you're first starting out because you don't really know the meta. You don't know the cards that could be there. Mm -hmm. I mean, last night's game, there was actually a card that would have won the game for the person who cast temporal backdoor and they had it in their hand and they used it earlier in the game on something less consequential. Had they mm -hmm. held on to it, like they had originally planned, maybe they would have won that game after all. Yeah. So it's complicated, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's important to make sure that you don't have, a, you know, cards that just come down or, or, or game mechanics that just come down and say, this is what happens. No one has a chance to interact. There's no response. Uh, 
if it's something as consequential as ending your game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's very well put. And I think that that leads us into our next quote here that I think will expand on what you're saying right there, Danny, because you're bringing up a great point. In game design, balance isn't just about numbers. It's about creating a dynamic and engaging experience for players. Yet again, unknown. And this is something that I think you need to keep in mind because it's not just about what is fair. It's about what is fun. And what is fun is having certain experiences in the game world. You know, you're trying to create something like a, a, I I hope I'm using this word correctly, a facsimile of like a genre experience often with your theme is strong. I mean, there are the abstract games out there, but even those, you know, they they are trying to create a sensation with you that feels like a story or a narrative. So a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually kind of, I, I'm going to try to recreate it here, but I sort of express one of my theories, if you don't mind indulging me about, sure. you know, experience like this. And that is my, you can't go any higher kind of theory. Um, so to, to explain that, I like to refer to the hateful eight. One of my, one of my favorite movie experiences. I don't know if it's like my favorite movie, but I saw it once in theaters and I had a blast and halfway through that film, there's a wonderful gripping scene with Samuel L. Jackson just turning the heat up in the scenario to the breaking point. You are like a lobster boiling alive by the time he is done with that scene. The entire audience is up here. And then some critics uh, and other people I talked to said that, and then it like loses a lot of steam because it comes back from that scene with a scene that kind of plays like a previously on that you would see in a TV show where it kind of just explains sort of like yada, yada, yada has a narrator explain what happens uh, for the next like, you know, hour of real time that's going on in the story. But my, I think Quentin Tarantino knew exactly what he was doing with that. He was bringing the audience down from that high. He had gotten them once. He had gotten them all the way to the peak once. If he were to try to push it any further, it would be diminishing returns or he would kill people in the audience. They would just die from being just too excited and too tense. But he brings it down, brings you back down. So that way, for the last uh, second half of the movie, he just sends you back up again. And since he's already kind of like, it's almost like stretching, since he's already had you stretch out and you're like how much tension you can feel, I think he was able to raise the roof higher. Another example I use for this is the song American Girl by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I don't know about you, but I feel like there's this, I, I noticed when I was formulating this opinion, I had heard the song again, and there's a point in the song that the song almost gets goofy. It gets, it just has a breakdown that sounds like, you know, guys trying to play like, you know, white dude R&B, you know, and jam out for just a second. But that's because like the songs has, like they want to do the the buildup and the chorus again, and they kind of need the audience to sort of reset from the first time they did it. So it's almost like you have to go through that valley. And so what I think I'm trying to say here is that when you have big, tense experiences in your game, you're going to need a cool off section. And we have that in X Secrets of Fortune with the ability to thwart and counter thwart. So we have these thwart wars that are very similar to one of the coolest things in Magic the Gathering, which I think is the counterspell war. And in the counterspell war, people burn off a lot of resources and, you know, for one big play usually like, you know, and they it's almost like a showdown. And when that's all said and done, they're very resource light. The game is like in a completely different state. 
And it's the same thing in X Secrets of Fortune. I believe this happened last night with our new players because one counter, one thwart war in our game will make the players have to go through many turns of just drawing cards to build up their hands again, build up their arsenal. But I really like that because it kind of shows like you got into like sort of like you got into a, a down and out brawl with your arrival and now you're both kind of bruised and bleeding. You got to pick yourselves back up and kind of, you know, dust yourselves off and, you know, do some wound bandaging before you can move on. Yeah. And, and part of the reason why that happened yesterday was they're new players. They don't know the value of the resources yet. They don't know what fights to pick, what fights to let go. The more experienced players that we have tend not to get into those thwart wars unless the outcomes are super consequential. Yeah. You'll see a lot more happen. But early on when your players are playing, they're testing the fences. So it, mm -hmm. it makes sense that you'll see something like that. But your point is well taken. I think you just think about, you know, when it's cold out and you touch something hot, it feels that much hotter. When it's mm -hmm. hot out, you touch something cold, it feels that much colder. You know, it's it's contrast that makes things feel richer. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what is joy without pain or pain mm -hmm. without joy, right? What's excitement and without boredom? Exactly. Yeah. So well, 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 well taken. I think that 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 is uh, perfectly put, and uh, I definitely liked your your laying out there of the hateful eight. And, and Tom Petty, I think those are excellent examples. Yeah, and, and go listen to American Girl if you haven't heard it in a while. It is an excellent song. I would say watch The Hateful Eight, but depending on your, your taste, you may, <laughs> you I'll may say struggle with it. I thought The Hateful Eight was a, I mean this in all compliments, I thought it was a perfect joke because by the end of the movie, I felt like it ended on just the perfect punchline and I was just laughing all the way through the credits. I might be crazy. I might should not have laughed at that time, but I do think that he set it up to be a long you know, almost a shaggy dog tail of a joke that ends in just the funniest ending you could imagine. Probably you couldn't imagine. Um, but yeah, but I do want to, to emphasize just to, just to reiterate on this one. Remember a game experience is a journey and it's, you know, it is just as much a journey as a movie or a book that you're reading or a song you're listening to. There are, you know, certain, certain like parts of the hero's journey that you're trying to send your players through and whether, and no matter what side of the table they sit on, they're going to think of themselves as the hero. So you want to kind of bake those into the experiences they're going to have along the way. Absolutely. What's our next quote, Joel? <laughs> That's a good point. Feed me a quote. I'm hungry. I know. Well, I'm literally hungry. Like the sooner we get through this, the sooner I eat. <laughs> Unless we want to eat on Mike. If you want us to eat on Mike, uh, we can set up a Patreon. I've already that, done okay? that this episode. That's true. You have. I'm surprised <laughs> you're keeping it super, down. Super regrettable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, to get back to the quotes, to get us, you know, to kind of keep us on track and refine us, uh, balancing a game is, wait, balancing a game is an ongoing journey. As the players evolve, so should your game's balance. Unknown. And I think that this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, um, and maybe this will unlock some other thoughts, but the idea that, you know, it took us months to get to people to be playing the game at such a level that we saw some of the faults that could have, um, you know, that could cause high level play to be a worse experience than we wanted. Yeah, you, you actually see a lot of this in Magic the Gathering with drafting. They often say drafting is self-correcting or self-balancing. Uh -huh. And part of the reason why is when you're, when you're talking about a metagame, there may be a strategy that's obvious and really, really good to pursue. But if everyone is doing it and there's a limited ability to execute that strategy based on available resources, 
other other strategies become more powerful by virtue of the fact that the resources required to execute them are more available and the better strategies are more scarce. So you get a worse version of a better strategy or a better version of a worse strategy. And the better version of a worse strategy is sometimes better than the worst version of a better strategy. And so it's important to recognize that what is true right now in the current metagame or the current environment may not remain true. Another good way of thinking about this is just evolution in general, right? Adaptation itself is about how an organism faces an environment and whether they are fit to survive or not. And an organism that is able to, like, I think the example is of moths, right? Like at one point there was a moth that was, I'm going to say this wrong, but you'll get the gist. At one point there was a moth that was perfectly suited for its environment because it was white and the trees were white and it blended in and it would not uh, be seen very easily by its predators. There was a coal factory that uh, started uh, producing energy uh, not too far from this forest. The soot colored the, the trees black and now all of a sudden the white moth is standing out. Its camouflage goes away. It's no longer well suited for its environment. So its strategy for survival becomes suboptimal it suffers, you know, intense predation. And this is exactly the story of ongoing balance. Things change and mm -hmm. you have to pay attention to how they're changing to determine what will make sense in the new environment. For sure. And yeah, like, and that was the arms race we were worried about with the, uh, what win from behind style play is like, well, what happens when both players are trying to play that game? Would it have self-corrected? We did make changes before we got to see exactly to what depth that went to, but it is like, it is a good question. It's like, well, if both players decide to try to play from behind, does it, does the player who tries to then just jump ahead end up winning the game? It's a did not work question. out that way for us. No, <laughs> that's why we made changes. But I also think this is an important thing to talk, consider, especially if you're a game designer who's either just starting out their game or like what we're about, what we're going into right now, which is adding to our game, adding new mechanics, because we are designing our multiplayer expansion. And that is going to come with like completely new card types that we hadn't tried before. And so, um, and this is my, you know, this is going back to, to the early phases of design and balancing where you want to get things tested early because they might not work the way that you imagine them to work. And I highly, you know, highly recommend you, you think you have everything planned out until you actually sit down and have to try to explain your game to a person. It's the, it's that bo old boxing quote, you know, you, everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face. Well, you getting punched in the face is you actually having to uh, put play, lay out a playing prototype and explain it to a friend and see if they actually can grasp it. And if they have fun in front of you. Yeah. And, and, the, and the last thing I would say on this topic is I think along the lines of play testing and balancing as you go is if you make a change to your game one place, don't be surprised if it changes the way it, the game plays out in a different area, right? When we created breakthrough that changed the power of dig within, right? Mm -hmm. So anytime you make any sort of change of consequence, pay extra special attention to how it's rippling out, how it's cascading out throughout the system and changing the viability of other strategies, mechanics, whatever, within your game, because you can't assume that changing one thing is not gonna have an impact on the whole system. So it's important to just take constant inventory of how everything's working and pay attention to any time you see new patterns emerging. Yeah, in fact, that I think there's a quote that I also saw that 
kind of address that idea, which is like you can't it's like tuning an instrument. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but it's like tuning an instrument. You have to kind of play all the you know instruments alongside each other to see if everything's in tune because it's all relative to each other. Excellent. Uh, That's an excellent way of thinking about it. You know, but yeah, it's it really comes comes down to you want to get everything in your mind kind of out there and working so that way they can actually, you know, rise and be refined together. I think that the later heroic feats and later feats that we've come up with, you know, you can tell that they're they are in reaction, I think, to the way the game played versus, you know, uh, being just about the gameplay. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but you know, they're almost there's almost a more reactionary um, side to them. And I wonder if people who came in and read through the rules could tell which rules came later and which rules came earlier. It would be a fun challenge just to talk to another game designer and see if they can kind of sort out the evolution of the game just based on the way the rules are written. Absolutely. Uh, I would love to have that conversation. Yeah, it would be fun. Well, hopefully we'll be able to get uh, find a game designer and have have like a, a meeting of the minds like that between our games. And uh, we'll, we'll get them on the show soon enough, I'm sure. We're meeting quite a few people. And we actually got a teaser for next episode regarding a new game designer coming on and talking with us. But before we get to that, how about we just go over some key takeaways? For sure, absolutely. So number one, if it feels as though the game itself is dictating outcomes rather than being driven by player choice, your strategic options are likely out of balance. Second, variety matters. Too much of one thing can ruin the whole. Third, contrast can create dynamic balance, a dynamic balance of play experiences. And last, test early and often while being cognizant of the impacts every change has on the system at large. Yeah. And there was like quite a bit to unpack in this episode. So we would love for you to come to our discord. And if you have questions about your game or other games you've played and you know, how these, how these uh, topics can be approached, please join us and, you know, ask, ask away. Yeah. We're super happy to spend time with you. And honestly, you know, we're, we're, we're here to help you, um, design your game you know we're not going to tell you what we think you should do but we might ask you some questions that we think would be helpful in helping you discover what you already know you should do yeah 100 percent. breaking news fortune seekers x seekers of fortune now has its pre-launch page live on kickstarter Click the link in the description below so you can be one of the first people to support X Seekers of Fortune. Also, there's probably going to be some bonuses if you support within the first 24 hours, so be on the lookout for those announcements coming soon. Thank you so much, Fortune Seekers. Please support the game, support the show by liking this episode and subscribing to our podcast. And you know what? Support each other. Back to the show. So, Danny, normally... You know, at the brown this time of the episode, I kind of give over the reins to you. I think you said today might be particularly infuriating. So I'm looking forward to hearing about your something random. Well, uh, lucky for you, I came up with a better idea from when I last <laughs> reported that I had an infuriating idea. Although I think this will still be an interesting one. Okay. I hope. So I thought this time, since we're talking about balance, maybe we should play a game about balance. So okay. in this game, 
you are going to do this is you know you know how it is i like to do party game style stuff on the podcast because i think it plays well on the podcast yeah that's true so in this game i'm going to give you our prompt and you are going to talk your way through it uh based on the prompt and the twist here is that i am going to be giving you two objectives uh, that you have to balance in your communication of uh, the scene. So a little bit of improv, uh, and here we go. Are you ready? I No, but let's go ahead. <laughs> do I need to be standing up? You mentioned balance. No, 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 no. Okay, I, okay. I would do that if we were in person. I definitely would have you do like a DUI test or something. <laughs> this would uh, not be uh, what we're doing here. Yeah, we definitely need okay. to invest in like a corded microphone so we can move around. I thought you were uh, going to say a breathalyzer. <laughs> <laughs> How All high right, can it go? go? <laughs> that sounds like a Patreon stretch or a, a stretch goal. How high can Joel blow a breathalyzer while still, you know, being able to uh, recite the alphabet? We still need you, buddy. You're going to have to <laughs> stick around a little longer. <laughs> Damn. Okay, let's go. All right, here we go. Tell someone you never want to see them again while also making sure that you get all the recipes for all of your favorite dishes that they used to make you. This, okay. That's, uh, that's the prompt and I'm supposed to uh, play the scene, I presume. Yes. Well, it sounds like this is going to be a little more dramatic. So why don't I get this up here? <laughs> <laughs> you know me, I'm a drama queen. Hey, um, you know, I brought you out to coffee today cause I think we just need to have a talk, you know, um, there's a lot that we want to, take with us into the future and there's other things that we have to leave behind and <laughs> the things that we want to take with us you know that's it's knowledge it's lessons you know it's the food that we ate along the way you're have such a wealth of knowledge of you know grandmother's recipes and um just the greatest ways to mix and match your candies and i just want to make sure that i can keep all that with me in the very much likely case that we just, you know, we go our separate ways. Whether that be today or tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, it's going to be soon. But I just want you to know that I value your knowledge of food and I want to preserve that and be the thing that I take from this <laughs> relationship that we have had up until this point. So I got a little spiral here. Why don't you just get to writing? I'll, I'll just list off the things I really, really want. And, you know, this, this will be the way that we preserve with each other. I might not always be there with you. In fact, I'll never be here with you again. But someday I'll eat these dishes and, and I'll think okay. of you and how good right. it was to get you out of my life. That was it. You, 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 you accomplished the I'll never see you again. I think that was well done. Are you ready for the second one? Yeah, I think so. Ask someone out while letting them know you are really interested in really specific qualities dogs have. What? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. You know it's a, I just have a really just, good time, um, you know, spending time with you. I really feel like there's like a, a connection here so i would love to take you out sometime to maybe a dog park and just find out like what you really enjoy about you know dogs and canines because i think that that's going to be a big that could be a big bridge that unites us i don't want to say too much but you know in the past people would ask there's you know ask others out to church and you know make sure they aligned on those values but the values that matter most to me are 
do you think the dog's tail needs to be there? Or do you think it's cuter if it's been lopped off? You gotta find that out because it is very important to me. Okay. <laughs> I better cut you off on that one before it gets any off and it goes off the rails. Ah, uh, that was that was quite good. <laughs> That was like a minecart just like teetering <laughs> over, you know, just, like, just you know, redistribute the weight. God. But I, I really uh, like this game. This is my style. This is my kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to like, I think I'm trying to, I think like if we played it in person, like the idea would be that the person you're talking to has to guess what the objectives were. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. Here's the last one. You ready? Mm-hmm. Tell someone that the, a person that they, they love, uh, was lost at sea while trying to gain their empathy for a similar time when you lost your car. <laughs> okay. You know, now that this, we're sitting down and you have something you know, to drink, I just, I just need you to know that Frank just didn't come back with me from the trip. And, you know, we were on that boat for so long and we were just having so much fun and we kind of went our separate ways. I just thought I'd catch back up with him. But, you know, it was like that other time, you know, that I left my car, you know, in the parking lot and then I went and shopped all day. And when I came back, I realized I didn't know where it was. And I got really concerned that I wouldn't see my geo again. And, you know, it's red and you just think you could see it from a mile away, but it's also tiny and it can very easily hide behind cars. And I thought that's what Frank, he's just so big and lovable. I just I just felt like I'm going to see him. I'm going to turn a corner and see him. And just like the car. You just you finally have to realize that it's gone. It, it fell overboard, I guess. I, I can only assume that he just. He just fell off the side somewhere, unlike my car, which I eventually did find. And <laughs> very happy about my luck. And it made me, you know, I, I think I became a Christian that day. Okay, we'll cut it off there. I think we've, we've got it right there to the edge. Uh, oh, would you play that one again? Smokes. Hell yes, I'd play that one again. I think we <laughs> might have something here. Condolences, I think is the name of the game. What is it called? Condolences. Condolences. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that would be really fun to play. Um, yeah. Oddly. We need a party game, I think. I think it would really benefit us to have one, especially uh, for other liver shows. But now that we're less dramatic, let's let's go ahead and get back to the wide. No. Hell yeah. That's, you know, sometimes sometimes I feel like I'm tortured by your games. But, uh, you know, today this was a winner. I, I love this something random. Thumbs up. Yeah. Every now and then I get one accidentally that you enjoy. So. All right. Well, with that, Danny, was there any other uh, business to get to? Anything else on your mind before we get out of here? No, I'm, I'm just trying to complete the speed run of a podcast so that Will is happy with us. Well, I think we did a pretty darn, darn good job. So, Will, give us a rank. You know, why don't you go, why, Will, why don't you go into the iTunes store and review us? Five out of five if we did a good job. But we're getting a one star. <laughs> okay well before we before we uh completely lose all rank um and get an angry comment let me just say that uh well danny you have been danny i have and i've been joel and i'm here to you remind have. thank you and i'm here to remind you that you must start somewhere so why not here thanks for listening there's nicer places to start 
Theme music by James Hilden, produced and edited by William Wymore.